Good afternoon, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm Elis Mona, and my co-host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Hope everybody's doing well. Two very big games to discuss: Arsenal versus Man City and Arsenal versus Benfica. Both, both supposedly home games. First off, we took on the you know champions elect at the moment, Man City, who have been you know on a run. What it was, 17, 18 matches unbeaten before coming up against the Gunners and you know, I think we're very much favourites walking into this game. Yeah, I mean, look, the sort of game was really... Uh, I mean, I was dreading as much as... You know, you, you like for the excitement of, you know, two almost like big clubs, especially us with the history and uh, the current form of Man City, you know, going head to head. But I mean, as I said, it was the sort of game I was dreading. And, you know, almost like something also I wanted to get over and done with because it felt almost like a pending injection or, you know, like <laughs> a, a root canal op. Like, you know, you have to have it done, but, you know, if you could dodge it, you would want to dodge. But, you know, that we said, yeah, we took them on. Uh, main change in the squad was the defend, defensive partnership with Marie and uh, Rob Holding coming in. What was your thoughts on the change? So, like, you know, it was like kind of late. With, with uh, that sort of pair. To be honest, you know, I was quite happy with that. I mean, they the defensive pair have have worked very well. You know, you put Rob Holding next to Gabriel, and suddenly the defense looks a bit shaky. You know, Louise Holding still, you know, looks good, but with Marie, he just looks even better. And Marie as well looks very composed at the back. So, for for me. You know, I wouldn't say it's the strongest back four because I still don't know who our strongest back four is because, you know, they said the back bearings. But the two of them with Tierney and Ballerin kind of, you know, gave you that sort of solidity that you were looking for. So I was quite happy with that. Um, just moving that bit forward with the two holding midfielders or like they like to say the double pivot or the pivot in the midfield. Um, Alneni and Jack, I was a bit surprised to see El Nini in there with Chaka, but I also thought of what you said when you said, you know, maybe Arsenal will probably end up going a bit more defensively in this game because we are playing Man City. Yeah, I mean, look, with the lineup, I think I was kind of fine with thinking of, um, you know, how they've been playing as a group. I'm not talking about really. Benfica was almost like, you know, they looked a bit off the boil. So I was, in my mindset, thinking we were going to, you know, you know, give the game as good as we're going to get. But I mean, within... 90 seconds, again, a lapse of concentration by the squad as a whole. Ball gets broken down on the right flank of Man City. Uh, Maris ends up cutting inside, floats the ball across the box. And then, I mean, everything looks kind of static as the cross comes in. And, I mean, Rob Holding and Bellerin kind of ball watches the ball floats in and Ryan Sterling nods in. one or Man City. I do honestly think that it is unacceptable that Ryan Sterling outjumps... Um... All our defenders, and it was what Raheem Sterling's fourth goal in four games against Arsenal. It just seems he, he's one of those Rooney Drogba players that whenever they come up against Arsenal, they just seem to find the back of the net. I mean, what 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 really was like you know that I mean I'm be, like to be straight up, uh, you know, pissed me off was there's no you know like sometimes you'll see like if you watch uh, say the way Man City say defend you watch. Um, you know, like, okay, not now, Liverpool, with that uh, injuries and that, but you look at the way even Tottenham, they, like, people like Eric Dyer and them, they will, like, lean onto you, like, even though yes. you get a free header, they're going to lean onto you to almost, like, put you off balance, so your headers are kind of, you know, all over the place. But, I mean, we end up just, like, off-ball watching, and, I mean, he ends up not, like, out-jumping 
both of them, nobody even gives a shot. It's like no communication between the the, the, the defense at all. And I mean, it, it, it's as simple as you get. And I mean, you, you the last thing you want to do is give, almost like literally give Man City a, a opening goal. Yeah, that, that was a gift. I mean, I'm starting to out-jump your defenders. I mean, that's unacceptable. And, and also, I think Kieran Tierney should have maybe got a bit tighter to, to, to Maris, but you, know, you can't be too cynical on that because Maris could have skinned him maybe and you know, still put the ball in. But I do feel we should have closed down. But, you know, Kieran Tierney haven't been playing in a while, so I'm sure if he was playing a run of games, that cross might have not happened. But, you know, 1-0 down in for me, you're starting to fear the worst. I mean, you know, one also early on, you know, City at the moment, the free-flowing, you were expecting a 3-4-0 donking. But, you know, this is why, like, especially with this game, look, you know, I normally would do my, uh, you know, game analysis where, I, you know, certain key points. But I'm not, like, for this game, I did not do really, I just did, like, little pointers, but yes. not minute points, because, I mean, for me, like, I'm going to just switch my attention now to the annoyances. Uh, with regards to the game, um, we were little to nothing of, of an attacking threat. Exactly. Uh, we kind of like you know just like stood there and took it on the chin, really. And I mean, like there was like no real ideas. And and I mean, what I found really really embarrassing was you could see Man City were almost like just toying with us. Like it's not like Man City were at a, or they at a level where. If they want to say jump, we'll have to jump. If they say slow down, we will have to slow down. Because they were dictating everything. Even though the score was like 1-0, they, they, I think they barely even got out of second gear. With, with yeah, they, they they didn't. They, the, I don't know if Pep is just trying to keep things calm between him and Arteta. But I mean, you know, Arsenal, like you said, there was little to nothing that we showed. I mean, I can't give you... You know, uh, exact highlight. Maybe the one with Tierney probably peppered the hands of Edison with that shot from outside the box. I mean, you know, like you said, Pepe as well had a chance to kind of, you know, cross the ball in better when he was the first half coming from the right-hand side. But there was no real, you know, where Man City were breaking a sweat. I mean, it was like the type of games where they just professionally came there, got the result. And, you know, they were looking probably towards Borussia Mönchengladbach where you could see, I don't know if Arsenal's legs also were all focused on uh, Benfica, but, you know, there was definitely nothing you could say about Arsenal's attack that caused Man City any problems, really. I mean, there was a, like a scenario, you know, when you see in the, in the cartoons, or they were like a, the bully holding the, the kid by the forehead <laughs> and just letting him swing at, at <laughs> because we were barely laying, a, uh, you know, a hand on them. And I mean, I, I think you mentioned it to me in a, in a private message after the fact. Um... It was so embarrassing to see, uh, say, Aubameyang sprinting down the flank, going uh, shoulder to shoulder with, with uh, John Stones. And I mean, John Stones just brushes him off like as if it was nothing. Yeah, that, that was quite shocking, eh? Like, I mean, Aubameyang is like sprinting, sprinting, sprinting. And then John Stones just knocks him and Aubameyang goes flying. Like, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We need some sort of kind of strength at least, you know, give John Stones something to think about. But I mean, it seems also like John Stones had a bumming in his back pocket. Yeah. And I mean, for me, what, what what's really upsetting whenever we're not playing this, uh, this sort of fixture, it's almost like Arteta tries all these little tricks uh, tactically and it constantly fails. I mean, I, I do know, for, um, like, uh, you know, at post-match, he did say he had, like, he had a sort of plan to, to start the game off. And he said the the team 
didn't even do anything to the to that in the first five minutes. So I mean, how is that? I mean, how are you putting your point across to the team? And what sort of team is this that they can't even follow a simple instruction? Because he said already within like the, that first ninety seconds that the whole plan already was out of the window because uh, uh, he didn't mention, of course, names, but he just said that the whole game plan went out of the window then right there and then. Because he said that he had a plan leading up to it. You, you, you sometimes feel sorry for Ateta because, and I'll, I'll get to that point that I have about, like, you know, my feelings, but, you know, you sometimes feel sorry for him in, in terms of just how these, these players are making individual errors that cause, you know, big consequences and you get the coach and ask, yeah. You know, what is he telling the players? Because, I mean, these players can't throw away a game against City. So, like, it felt like the game was over after after the first 90 seconds. Yeah, because, because I mean, the players also outside into that. I mean, it also played, played out the same way against Aston Villa because you also saw no real intent to to score a goal in that game. No, you, you didn't. And you, and, and you just don't see... You know, enough questions being asked of the opposition's defence. I mean, Aston Villa was comfortable after that goal that they scored. But it's like Arsenal, I don't know, we, we, we're conceding goals almost, you know, way too early. We, we switched off. Yeah. And, and by the time we wake up, you know, the Aston Villa and Man City don't have to score a goal. I mean, you you if you keep the score no not the half time. The, the opposition has to think, you know, what are we going to do? I mean, are we going to break them down? You start posting questions. Arsenal, you know, it takes one one goal. And Arsenal are so bad with their set pieces. And they, 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 they don't make it count. A game against Man City, you know, you're supposed to be practicing for playing your aerial balls. Because Man City don't have the tallest of players. But, you know, we, we still make a Raheem Sterling job head and shoulders above the, the team. I mean, I'm just, I'm just like... You know, it's just spitballing now, yeah, but I mean, how many unforced errors are also playing out before, like when we're conceding? Because you look at that goal against Man City, you go, you know, a, a, a bit back to, like, you can't really talk about the Benfica away game, but I mean, you go to the Leeds game, we four up, again, two unforced errors that, that, that gives the opposition goal goals already, and it's like, it's, it's a trend, it's a, actually, actually a bad trend. Where we, and Cedric against Aston Villa also. Yeah. So, I mean, why are we ending up... With, and, and, and also, just a sort of tempo. We, we started that City game. I mean, there was no intent to really, you know, press. And, and I mean, only after conceding, then it was like, you know, a bit of kind of stabilising things. But again, Man City could pick and choose when they wanted to attack us because they were detecting the game. I mean, maybe in our minds we were thinking we, we were in control. <laughs> but it, it, like it was all, all them. And I mean... This is what I said like, with regards to, to Arteta. He's got this sort of fear where you act like I was just, like, you know, like after the game, I was just thinking, is he ever going to overcome this? Yeah, like he had a sort of, you know, masterclass thing in, in, in the FA Cup lead, uh, semi-final. But when you see him now, especially league form, it's not like he can't lay a glove on, on, on Pep and his team. Yeah, I, I think Pep always is one step ahead of him for some reason. But you know, you, you, you got to look at it as well as Arsenal lost to Man City 1-0 both games. But, you know, you got to question the goals we conceded. Yes, you know, these... Um, we, we didn't lay a glove on, on Man City, but, you know, that both goals... That first goal when we lost 1-0 to Man City with Bellerin when he, you know, I think, got the cause of 
Foden getting the ball and, and kind of setting up Sterling. And you look at this goal as well. Also, you know, sloppy defending. It's these small margins. You, you're losing by one goal. You look at Aston Villa. You lost one goal. Why? Because of a defensive lapse. It's it's all these concentration errors. And yes, Arteta, you know, needs to work on some things. But if you look at the players as well, how are you not switched on so early on in such a game of this magnitude? All your rivals dropped points the weekend again. And, you know, Liverpool lost to, I think they lost to Everton. I think it was Everton they played. And, you know, you, you're kind of thinking to yourself, um, you know, take advantage of this opportunity. But, no, sir, Arsenal just seemed to, to um, you know, get flustered and, and just th- throw in the towel already before the game even started. Yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't that happy, you know, with the squad in general. Like, you know, really sh- uh, lacked heart. Because, I mean, yeah, we, we kept the score at 1-0, but as, as, as we now discussed already, uh, it was more like down to Man City, not really wanting to exert themselves because they knew they had a, a big uh, midweek game coming up. And, and, and you, you, you miss players, sorry to interrupt, but like, you miss players like Aaron Ramsey, um, Alexis Sanchez, mm-hmm. you know, even Olivia Giroud. Like, yes, they, you know, sometimes we never overcame City, but... These guys never feared City. You know, they would come battering into the players. Sanchez would take them on. You know, there was belief in these guys that, you know, we can't get something from this. And like you said now, it just seems like Arsenal in the Premier League against Man City just believe Man City is just superior to us. I mean, I, I think that, that you can't, you know, give or take like 20 or 15 minute spell that we had late in the second half where you could actually see when we were getting physical with him. Like, you know... Uh, I'm not saying, as I said, I don't really condone, you know, like, you know, dirty, that, that scruffy play. But, I mean, if you go, like, say, with a 50-50 and you go with, say, 100% intensity and heart into that tackle, where you know that your opponent almost, like, knows he's going to get tackled or he knows he's going to have to take the hit, then you do it. like Because I think Xhaka did it a few times later on in the game and David Luiz as well, where they would, like, you know, almost, like, like clatter into the player with a, you know, with a ball. So that they know, and you could see that it's almost like the city did kind of, in a way, shudder, like you know, for, for but I mean, of course, it was a, a little bit, but you could <laughs> see they were rattled if you not take them on like that. And I think that is why I was like, uh, I think my daughter was also mentioning to me, like, how do you like overcome say, a team like Man City? And I said, you watch if they must come up, if like Man City must come up against Man City, uh, sorry, against Bayern Munich, that guys will know exactly how to deal with Man City. Exactly. I think it would probably be one of the most interesting games out there in Europe at the moment, by Munich and Man City. Two best teams, I think, at the moment. Yeah. In world football, yeah, they are at the moment. They, you know, really being held at a high, high uh, bar now. And I mean, even, I mean, of course, I'm going to see how Pochettino does with PSG now, but in the, especially Champions League so far, I mean, with that one game is I played against Barca. I mean, of course, a weekend Barca. But, I mean, he also, also brought a sort of standard in, in, in with the European side of their game, where they almost like look a bit, they have a bit more guile to their game now. Yeah, it's, it's, I think the, those probably are the, the two top teams with Pochettino coming up with his PSG side, because they do look, they look, they, they, they look like they were battling and it took over a bit. And now maybe they're to find their feet, but, you know, Bayern and Man City, Right now, are probably the, one of the two teams to win the Champions League at the moment. It just seems 
everybody is a bit off color, but those two teams. So, you know, a team like Man City, you can't give them a goal. I mean, like you said, when Arsenal started putting pressure on them, if the game's nil-nil and you're starting to put that pressure on them, it looks a very different game. But, you know, there was not much that you could really say. I mean, Saka had that one opportunity as well where he slipped or something like that where, you know, a cooler head in that situation, you know, could have backed a, a, a goal. Yeah. But, I mean, that's our, our 11th loss of the season in the league. Oh. And, I mean, you know, it's almost like now we're getting to a point now where the losses are already going past or surpassing the, the wins column. Yeah. It's, it's just, I, I don't know. Why, what's happening with our league form? It's, 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 you know, why don't you think you've turned the corner? Yeah, yeah. And then the next weekend, but 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 let's let's face it. Also, we we did say last week we weren't expecting anything else. But you know, there's a type of freebie game where you know if you win, great stuff. But if you lose, you know, uh, you, we would expect it. You look at Liverpool; they got hammered four-one to Man City. I mean, City have been sweeping side teams aside, left, right, and centre. So, you know, you, you, yes, you have to. So Arsenal could have put up a better fight, but um, I think on on this game, it merited. We know we deserve to lose, but I think performance-wise, it could have been worse. The scoreline. So, you know, you, you take a bit of art in the the defensive side of of things, following the left concentration, but. I think attacking-wise, we need to ask more questions when we come up against these bigger size. Yeah. So we move our attention now to the midweek game, Arsenal versus Benfica, a supposed home game, which was now played now in uh, Athens. Um, the layout of the, the, the you know, Atletas plans was probably going to you know, go into this, roughly the same squad that, that uh, has been playing, uh, almost like our best 11. So it's almost like the core of the squad that now, you know, put leads to the sword. Um, you know, we up, as I said, we played our strongest team, and you know, we're up against a, a Benfica team seemingly with a, a what's it, 5 5 0 formation. Because I think from the word go, they did not look like they were gonna come out for anything, and almost like, and this is where I find some of this is like the, the sort of football that Arteta also kind of leads us into. Where if you have a team set up like, like Benfica, did it's almost like Benfica knows. We are prone to a, a error. So it's like, you know, they all will just sit off and back yeah. and leave those two banks of five now and just wait and wait and wait. Because for me, it was almost like watching, uh, you know, a Man City set up against us where they're not even playing with a centre forward. They're just playing with a false nine and, and they're just like sitting deep waiting for that, you know, that inevitable error to come from us. Yeah, and I, I, I think Benfica knew they only needed you know, a way goal to kind of wipe out that advantage immediately. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't matter when it comes, as long as you don't hit Arsenal score. You know, like you said, Arsenal are going to give you one or two, you know, opportunities. And if you take it, you know, Arsenal could be looking at a uphill mountain to try to, um, to, try to um, actually um, get through because you score one goal, Arsenal need to, you know, Arsenal need to score, you get the second, Arsenal need to score three on the night. So, yeah, yeah. but set up very smartly and like you said, Arteta struggles against teams who don't come out and play. Yes, when teams come out and play the game and leave gaps, we can expose them. But the moment the team has a tactically set up and disciplined, Arsenal have no answers. Yeah, because, I mean, there's also like probably a 
something's going to also happen down the line now when we play uh, Tottenham also in a few weeks again. Where they look, Mourinho already has him set up. Of course, he's getting a lot of flack in the media. But whenever they play us, that is how they play us. They will just sit and wait. And I mean, look, what was us against Benfica now? We had all that possession, but we could not break down Benfica. I mean, we were trying those little intricate passes. And I mean, I think what was really like, annoying me was I was thinking, mix it up, you know, just play the ball over the top, route one, like, you know, do a bit of route one, play uh, almost like a more counter-attack yourself, let them also come at you. But it's like we trying to pro pro, but I mean we end up just clocking passes on the half line and in our own uh, our own half. Yeah, it. I, I don't know really what what to say anymore on this because we know uh, teams are going to set up a certain way against us because they know that you know we're not going to have answers to it and. I don't know if if we need you know different dynamic up front as well because we can't really put in sometimes those crosses that we want to put in. I mean we we, we do yes to it, but we don't have that centre forward as well that you know hustles and bustles and knocks into the defenders and makes life difficult. We make it sometimes far too easy, and that's why teams can set up with you know those bags of two bags of five or two bags of you know four, and then just have, have a guy roaming up front. It's like we, we always are an accident waiting to happen and teams pounce on that. But I mean, what I don't get is, I mean, how Arteta does not have, I mean, and I'm, I'm not talking of just now, I'm talking of at the start of the season having to already then, uh, the, the very first transfer window of 21, 20, 20, season, uh, you know, bring in a lanky forward and, uh, that brings some sort of aerial threat because. We are not, I mean, we are pinging all these crosses in, but there's nobody, as you just said, now hustling and bustling in that area or causing us, like being a sort of nonsense, uh, causing uh, nonsense at the back. And also uh, bringing the ball down and uh, like, uh, the hold up play, because I mean, our hold up play is poor. Yes, I, I didn't even saw Olivier Giroud's goal for Chelsea against Atletico Madrid, but yeah. it just shows like the, the, the kind, just the versatility of him, you know, the type of goals he scores, he's. he's He's everywhere. I mean, we need something similar that can deputize a, a bombing or like I said, because they, they're very well, one-dimensional player, ball yeah, to feed, yeah. etc. Where, where Giroud, you can, I mean, you, you, you saw he brought the best out of Ramsey, Ozil, Griezmann, Sanchez. He's a really good player to have in the team, and I think we really lost the trick by selling him. I mean, he made a bombing and could have you know, forms some sort of relationship where he kind of just peels off him all the time. So, you know, we, we, we do definitely need a plan B type striker or, yeah. like, you know, in that type of mold. Yeah. Because, I mean, when you see that, it's now, like, if you take that first league of the Champions League with him, it was almost like one split second chance that they needed. They took it, and it's almost like in what Atletico would call a fortress, and you're getting an away goal already, which is like gold at that stage of the competition. So, that is what we need, somebody that can be that sort of difference. Because, I mean, sometimes it just takes one goal to let your opposition, you know, like the, 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 the you know, like the wheels kind of fall off then once you, you, yes. you, you know, break them. But, but not Arsenal. You know, Arsenal has the sense of almost like it's forgiveness. They still give you a chance, you know, they give you a chance. We allow yourself to be in the game, even though you're dominating. So, I mean, Arsenal, the first 20 minutes, as I mentioned, you know, we had about roughly 60% possession. 
then finally, breakthrough on 21 minutes. Uh, Saka gets in, uh, you know, manages to get uh, bring the ball down. Plays a perfect other needle pass to Aubameyang, who picks a through ball. And I mean, as the keeper's advancing, I'm thinking, is he now going to scuff the shot or do something wrong? But I mean, he manages to definitely flick the ball over the keeper. one or Arsenal. And, and at that point, you know, I'm thinking, uh, I think that, I, I didn't think the tie was done, but I thought, you know, foothold in the game now. You you have the driver's seat, because Benfica wasn't offering much, to be honest. They were very, you know, defensive, plugging holes. And the fact that Arsenal got that early goal, not early goal, but got the goal, you know, it tell back um, Benfica now, okay, you have to score. So you have to come out. And Arsenal... Well, could have basically set traps for them, but I don't think we set enough traps for them. Yeah, but I mean, look, I have to also put my hand up because I mean, in my mindset, I was thinking with that boy, and I'm thinking, you know, book your tickets because we threw. But I mean, of <laughs> course, we had, you know, total other ideas because, you know, <laughs> you know we scored, all of a sudden, our Benfica was coming out of their shell. And I think a big scare for Arsenal's 34th minute was when uh, Pizzi took a corner, Vatonga ends up getting a free header. I mean, he ends up just glancing the ball wide. But I mean, again, sloppy marking doesn't help the Arsenal cause. Yeah, individual errors seem to be the problem. I mean, you know, Arteta probably practices certain things on the training ground all the time, but it's like these, these lapses of concentration and you ask, are the players good enough? Are they tired? Because they hardly had any break with those old COVID and Corona. So... You know, what is what's wrong with these guys? I mean, they know the magnitude of games, but they're still switching off. Yeah, I think the 42nd minute. Uh, I'm, honestly, I mean, of course, my take, I know I'm a gooner and everything, but I mean, my personal take is, I honestly don't know how that could have been a free kick given against everybody else. Okay, it was a kind of lapse of the team as a whole, allowing, you know, so much pressure, but when they show the replays of it, I mean, I'm surprised the competitors didn't elaborate on it. But I mean, Sebeus is putting his foot out. The guy's not even tripping yet. The guy tramps on Sebeus' ankle and ends up falling over. And that thing gets called up for a foul then. And then, of course, direct free kick. Uh, Diogo Gonzalez ended up hitting our leg. Gosh, all I can say was sublime free kick. Top corner. <laughs> and I mean, Leno doesn't even come close to it. Two, uh, uh, one, 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 and I think two, two on the night. And I get Oh, when I saw that guy, you know, I watched a sack of it because I mean, all these, you know, it reminded me of that Wolves game where you dominating, dictating, and just before half time, you know, a lapse, and suddenly you're going to half time 1 1, and, you know, a very precarious, precarious situation because one more goal from Benfica, you have to score. I've not always been goal shy. I mean, they've been quite, quite goal-shy, like, you know, especially when... They're not the team anymore that used to be where you say, you know, they would score goals to save your life. Now it's, you know, they don't score that much per game. Yeah, so second half, uh, you know, five minutes after, you know, the game, because, uh, I mean, uh, Sebeos ends up uh, setting up Aubameyang. Uh, I mean, at first I thought it was a goal, um, but, of course, cl- close inspection... Show that again, Aubameyang drifted off. And I think that is something that you should really, I mean, work on. Because, you know, sometimes it's, like, at the moment, especially now with VAR, I mean, it's, it comes out to, like, millimeters. Like, yes. It's getting himself off. And I'm thinking to myself, guy, you got, you know, the pace on your side. You even got a bit of guile on your side. So just, you know, play a bit smarter because 
when you look at, say, people like, like even Rashford and, and Harry Kane, they know exactly how to drop off your shoulder to, to, to beat the trap. And, but it's like, we just fall for it. I was the same with, with early on in that first half as well, where Saka was caught out of like two to three times or so. Yeah, like the teams set traps for us all the time and we just fall into it, same old, same old, all the time. Yeah, then 61st minute, uh, the Elton, the, the keeper of, of Benfica, ends up beating a route one ball, something that we should have not taken tips of. Uh, I mean, it ends up going over almost all our players and then, of course, for some reason, don't ask me why, Sebeos ends up being the deepest of the like defensive <laughs> midfielders. Uh, not that he is one, but I mean, he ends up going further back, further back. And I mean, he ends up playing a reckless and actually blind back pass over the back flick header, which of course gets intercepted by Rafa Silva. He ends up speeding past Leno. Leno, thankfully, did not do anything. Could have like, taken the player out and probably got no straight red, but ends up, you know, rather letting him go past. And I mean, uh, Rafa Silva ends up just rolling the ball into the empty net. 2 3 Benfica on the aggregate. You know, I must say, Jonathan, I don't think I've, I've told you this, but at, at that point, at 2-1 down, I had my heart in my mouth and thinking, are we really going to get knocked out of the round of the two again? Like, is this really going to happen again? And then, you know, I, I started thinking to myself, you know, is Arteta the man, you know, to, to take us forward? I mean, I was just thinking of how... Every time the same things are happening to us, we're getting sucker punched individual areas. And I was like, you know, what is Arteta going to do to fix this? And, and, and like I said, I have a talking point and a question I want to ask at the end of the podcast. But, you know, two are down and I'm thinking to myself, I don't see a way back for us. I just didn't. So 63rd minute, Arsenal then make a double substitution. William and Thomas Party coming on for Sebayos and... Emil Smith Road, because I mean they were not trying to bring a much needed spark to the squad. I mean, first of all, I mean I'm gonna put my hand up again. Um I did not think William was gonna be was supposed to be the guy that's gonna Me also. spring us into life again because I thought I would go even more attacking with either Martinelli or Pepe. But I mean, that being said, uh, uh William comes on and I mean he ends up sounding almost like uh help Kenny towel up on, on on the right back constantly, and I mean, all of a sudden, you also see a sort of turn in the game also with the mentality. Yeah, and for me, Tierney was, you know, I know Birmingham is our captain, but I think Tierney, for me, is slowly starting to become, you know, even though he's not the club captain, he's becoming my captain. Yeah, so, you know, Tierney ends up hitting the ball, collecting a nice ball from William, which kind of, you know, plays he plays a perfect ball behind the lines. Uh, Tierney ends up getting the ball, you know, takes, does it, I think he does this little cute thing where he takes the ball, just, you know, like he just goes past you on the outside. And I mean, he literally leathers the ball into the back of the net, 2-2 on the night, 3-3 on aggregate. I think it is a perfect timing of the goal. There's still, there's still enough time for that, you know, push for that final decisive goal. But, you know, Art was still in the mouth from my side. And you know that, that anxiety just started, you know, creeping in when you're watching and sitting and just, you know, every second counted for you. And I think uh, I just was hoping that we could get that goal to get us through to the next round. Also, Williams' first assist since November 2020. <laughs> oh, my word. Wow. That's a, uh, what's that? an important assist at such a crucial time. So, you know, and maybe one who give a lot of the stuff he's done for the past 
few months. Yeah, so since the end when Arteta then goes full attack mode, he now takes off Hector Bellerin and brings on Lacazette as Arsenal have something to push to get a winner because, I mean, on the way goals, we already screwed. Yeah, I think Benfica were just looking to, to try to see the game out. They really didn't show much initiative. They, and I think it's to their kind of detriment. I mean, yeah, yeah, because they were just trying to see out the clock all the time. And I think Arsenal were just trying to pile on the pressure. And you could see Benfica were basically getting that bit leggy. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because I mean, you could see they were tiring and... Um, you know that the thing where I told you, where I told my kids that time when you when you can see your opponent is getting tired after, you know, pressing for most of the game or just uh, you know almost like sitting. When you in, in in midfield and attack positions, if you can start taking three plus touches on the ball, then it means nobody's coming to press you either. So you yeah. got all the sort of range now to play and 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 you know play almost like a more attacking, fluent or free flowing game. And I mean that moment then came eight seven minutes when Saka ends up. Drifting inside the, the Benfica box. And I mean, he ends up with a, I mean, for me, it's about like what you would call just a death, death pass. He ends up aiming it for the far post. And I mean, out of nowhere, Obama ends up coming, ghosting in and nods in. 3-2 Arsenal, 4-3 on aggregate. Yeah, I, I thought there were just tears coming my eyes, actually, when he scored that. Because it was such a, a pivotal goal, important goal for not only the night, but our season. I mean, can you imagine getting knocked out in the Europa League so early in the season? And, you know, I'm not saying there would not be much to look forward to, but, you know, there's no FA Cup run. There's nothing. Your, your season's basically just trying to peter out till the end. So, uh, and trying to scrap for uh, 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 some spot in Europe. But the fact that we got that goal taking us, you know, one step closer to the next round was such a relief and... Uh, uh, like I said, I had some tears of joy as my eyes welled up. Yeah, I mean, of course, we did have a, a big scare thing. Oh, know? yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, yes, really, did. I didn't really take note that it was, like, uh, offside. But, I mean, for me, it was just watching that ball getting floated over across the, the danger area. And the ball, the, the shot that came in ends up hitting the base of the post. And I'm like, oh, oh, but I can't handle this. And then, I mean, you end up seeing this offside and Arsenal, of course, just wind the game down to the end. But I mean, for me, I, I mean, uh, joyous moment for us as Gooners. But I mean, for me, I don't know about how you felt or the listeners felt. But I mean, I felt literally drained from that game. Yes. Like, I, I mean, I couldn't really like celebrate like I wanted to. Like I just felt all the life got sucked out of me through almost like being on that roller coaster ride. Yeah. No, I I definitely agree. And my biggest fear is that you know I hope this is just one of those ties where we just didn't click over two legs, but. We, 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 with, with the teams left in the competition, there is no room for performances like this anymore. Yeah. If you're going to perform like this, you are going to get put to the sword. I mean, we get, we're getting Olympiacos in the next round. I think payback for for that uh, last year game when they put us out of the competition. Yeah. But, I mean, the team has left. I mean, AC Milan, Man United throwing each other. But still, you know what? You're only playing one of those guys at the moment with the form they are, especially AC Milan. Um, you're looking at, you know, Tottenham for some reason are doing well in the Europa League with Mourinho. I mean, Villarreal is also, uh, I think, a team to watch out for and, and probably even Ajax. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I think a lot of people have, you know, want to right the wrongs from the previous season or, you know, especially those teams that, that they've dropped through from the Champions League that kind of failed. They want to kind of make things right now. But, I mean, I... My personal take is like with us now knowing that we face Olympiacos, 
Um, I mean, for me, this was a chance of redemption also for Aubameyang because if you think of it, the chances he ended up fluffing at the end yeah. in the game, it should have won. So, I mean, for me, it was like kind of written in the stars where you know, this is now his opportunity to, to make things right again. Yeah, it's, I, don't, I don't think it's a better payback moment than, than this for Arsenal. Socrates comes back to, to the Emirates. I don't know if they're going to play the legs in England, the, the home leg, but Socrates will be coming up against Arteta. That will be definitely an interesting uh, game or something to watch out to, a sub-battle. Yeah. So we switch our attention now to the league form, uh, league format again. Uh, we play Leicester City on Sunday, you know, like the early kickoff game. Uh, I mean, a mixed bag for both sides. We think midweek, uh, Leicester City getting dumped out of uh, the Europa League by Slavia Prague in a game where, I mean, even though they played with the majority of the key players, uh, they kind of look toothless against, uh, uh, you know, uh, quite a good uh, Slavia Prague side. And I mean, although they, I mean, give them props also the league and and is also the total different story because I mean, there's also an, an amazing run in the league where they're up to third already. So, I mean, it's going to be a hell of a challenge for us as well. Yeah, Leicester at the moment I feel like they smashed Liverpool. I mean, they they've literally been been probably the team you know besides Man City to watch out for. I mean, yes, I think Man United is Man United second at the moment, but. You know, not much to write home about compared to the team, the likes of Leicester City. So, Leicester's always seem to have our number. Yeah. So, I, I, I can't recall when last we've actually um, beaten them. Oh, that, that probably that was a game with Ozil when he had that amazing assist for Aubameyang, I think, in 2018. But yeah, uh, I think... The last league, the win over them was 2015, the 5-2 win. Oh, away from home. I'm, I'm talking about at home. Sorry, I'm talking in general. But yeah, away from home was that 5-2 two, two win. So, yeah, I, I don't know if if we are expecting much to for Arsenal to get the result against Leicester. I mean, do you picture, do you think Leicester coming to this game as favourites? Actually, scary saying that, that Leicester yeah, City I mean, was Arsenal. Of course, based on form, I think they will go in as favourites. Because, I mean, the, the defeats also few and far between. Um... I mean, look, they score for fun. That is a fact. I mean, um, all, but also as dangerous as they are, I mean, I think uh, with James Madison out injured, uh, it's going to be a big loss for them because, I mean, he ended up pulling out of one of the games where he had like a hip injury and they say it's almost like flaring up again. So he's out for them till mid-March. But, I mean, they, they still got big-time players. I mean, they got Casper Schmeichel in goal. They've got Soyan in defence and Johnny Evans. I mean, they make a good partnership. Um, in midfield, they still got Tielemans, who's still a you know key player, knows how to you know break down play and build up moves for them. And I mean up front, I mean JV Vardy is a sword in himself. He's always as slippery as the eel, as we would say. Yeah, so I mean it's going to be a tough game, tight game. But I mean I think with with Madison out, I mean it's really uh, also you know how we've recovered now also from the Benfica game because I, I have heard it also likes to stay a day extra in Greece. To do like train like you know physical training before heading out uh, back to London. Ah, oh, it's I think we're gonna be it's gonna be a tricky affair. I mean, both teams played in the Europa League. Yeah, but I think Arsenal were probably more excited and coming off a, a Man City game. So it's gonna be you know it'll just be to see what Arsenal gonna come up with. They need to start strong, can't give away goals and. 
Mm-hmm. I wonder what the lineup is going to be. I mean, I don't know what Laka has done to Ateta, but he just seems can't seem to find his way back into the team. Yeah. And I, mean, I think now with, with that Aubameyang double, that also just shows him again back on the bench again probably the weekend. But I mean, I just hope he can accommodate both of them somehow because I think we do need a sort of player that can, you know, hold up play somewhat. But I mean, like, like for me with, with that game now, if you just take now, just hopping back to the, the Benfica game, I still think to get the best out of Smith Rowe, you have to let him play that number 10 role and not keep on, you know, letting Odegaard get that slot. Because, I mean, look, long term, I mean, whether you like it or not, we don't, we still, like, Odegaard's future still up in the air, so you don't know how that's going to uh, play out. So, I mean, for me right now, is what we have is, is Emil Smith Rowe, and I mean, I think he should get priority for that position. Ah, uh, yeah, you're 100% right. I just have a feeling that um, the form Emil Smith Rowe is in. I mean, he just shipped him out wide and you know, dropped him out of the squad. It's kind of not sending a good message to him and, and it could have, you know, I don't know, I, I could be wrong, but imagine a guy like Emil Smith who thinks, okay, you know, I'm doing what I need to do and suddenly I'm on the bench now. Your eyes start to wander and think, you know, should I start looking for other club perhaps? I'm not saying it's at the extreme, but it caused some doubt in his head. I mean, he's playing at the top of his game and he's finding himself out of position or on the bench. Yeah. So, I've been on the round that off now, so we'll just switch our team to some talking points before we end off the podcast. Um, just, Mike, I have like a question and a, a point, opinion piece. Uh, from what you've seen, like what would you keep Odegaard for the, for next season if the opportunity arises where we can take him on loan for another season? Or do you want to first see a bit more from him before even making that sort of decision? Um, for, for me... I think it's. Uh, I'm still a bit on the fence. I yeah. think his performances off the bench have been better than him starting. Yeah. So when he comes on the bench, seems more lively. When he starts, it seems like the game's you know going past him. So you know maybe give him a few more games. But I wouldn't also you know kind of say you're gonna take this number ten role all the time. I mean, usually battle for Emil Smith, and if Emil Smith takes him out of the position, then you know we have to send him back. Unfortunately, but if he shows glimpses that that he can, you know, have a place in the team, then you know, keep him. But right now, I, I just think that on, on current form, nothing show tells me that we should keep him. Yeah, and then the other point I just wanted to make was, you know, with the standard set by Saka and Tierney, do you feel? I mean, Arsenal should be or Arteta should be building that squad around that two as a whole, and then expanding like that. Then, because I mean, I just think to myself. You know what you were saying now about Smith Rowe, you're getting also to a point in your career where you want bigger things, you want better things. I'm not talking about the financial things, but I'm talking about in honours and, you know, play, playing for trophies and that. Do you see almost like if, if we stall too long, you can almost like yeah, run the risk of losing people with that sort of mindset that you really want at the club, like Tierney or yes. Saka and, and, and Smith Rowe? Definitely. I, I think Saka... You know, if he doesn't get the taste of Champions League football in the next two seasons, his, his head will turn. I mean, if if, if Liverpool come in for him or 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 even, you know, United because they're there and they're about or, you know, even uh, a Juventus or something like that, just a, a team of that, like, you know, playing European, top European Champions League football, yeah. you could see yourself losing a guy like Tierney and, 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 and Saka. I mean, Yes, Stierney seems like a loyal guy, but I mean, you know, how long can you put your your career on hold for? Because you want to be playing and 
challenging in the top echelon of of the football. Yeah, because I mean, look, also I think this we also should also show the character is wanting to be a big club. I mean, you can't always go that mindset. Like you know, when we did the transition from Highbury to the Emirates, where we end up selling and breaking up a like a, a truly successful squad. Yeah, no, definitely not. So we we need to kind of get our affairs in order with 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 that. I mean, get get left back sorted. You have your you have your left wing. I mean your even your right wing, like you know, they are on the opposite edge of the pitch now with with, with Tierney, Bellerin, and and, and Saka is now forming a um, relationship. But you need to start building more, you know, around those players and expanding with quality replacements for for like a, like a Bamiang who's slowly starting to peter out in his career. Um, you, you need another guy on the left hand side to partner Tierney, a stable partner for Tierney because of Bamiang. You know, he, he's extremely good, but he's starting to move to the centre now. Or you, they don't even know who's going to be playing where up front anymore. Besides Saka, you know, going to the right. So that's definitely something to look out for. Um, but I also have, a, you know, kind of a question to pose at you with regards to Arteta. You know, I, you know, Master Arteta. You know, I think you should give him, you know, a chance or be patient with him. But you know. Of the Benfica game, and when we stayed the battle of like that defeat, I started wondering, you know, at what point do I say, you know, enough's enough? Do I say, am, am I, am I a bit more loyal to him than maybe I was with Emre because he had that, you know, Arsenal heritage? He played for Arsenal. He lifted. He was Arsenal's captain. So you almost seem to be too patient with him. That you know, maybe he should stay a bit longer. But at what point? Do you start saying enough is enough? Do you let him see the season out and say, okay, fine, this is his first full season with Arsenal? You know, you can't judge him yet. Or do you say, we we out of the Europa League, we ended, if you call it, eighth in the Premier League, there's no European football for Arsenal. Do you yeah. say, okay, at the end of this season, 2021-2022 season, if we're not in the Champions League, or, yes, just if we're not in the Champions League and don't show any sort of difference that you pull the plug at the end of the 2021-2022 season, or you pull the plug if during the 2021-2022 season that things are not working out. I mean, I think the, the club as a whole, I mean, my, like, this is not my opinion. I mean, I also had those thoughts, and I'm sure many do, like, you know, that listen to us and, and, and fans in general, like Arsenal fans in general. Um Sometimes you, you do feel like you know is this you know a kind of step too far for him as a as a new big coach because I mean uh, he did like assistant roles and that but I mean to actually run a club yourself and and, and especially a club like Arsenal with that sort of a reputation it, it, it's a tough call because I mean for me as an Arsenal fan of so long also I would like also the club this is now also where the club needs also step in where they can actually be more open. Like to the fans to say, look, um, this was now going to be our plan for so the January January window, and I mean most of us were patient with that, you know, trying to get all the you know the, the big wages off the the club's bill. So I, I think next step now should be, where you like you do still stick with him, but I mean also get to, like show us also what the plans or the, the the almost like blueprint will be now for the next season where we know, look, there is like talk there is like another batch of players going to be. Offloaded in the summer, and then you, of course, new faces come in. So I think it's, it's going to come down to also 
bringing almost like more players with a sort of winning or winners mentality to the club, you know, like we had in our successful years. Because I think that is where we are still lacking. Because the same way when you look at our gameplay, a lot of our players have that sort of, I take the ball on, I'm going to turn off maybe to towards my box. And the, whereas you actually look at all sorts of players and they go, give me the ball, I'm going to take it and I'm going to take yeah. it again. That is what we are all wanting as a group, like, you know, as a fan base. And I think uh, that's also what, what people in the media also keep an eye on us for that that sort of mindset. And I think that we need to bring back to the club. So, I mean, is Arteta the right man? I don't know, because, look, he's been also quite stubborn in also trying to integrate William into the squad. We, almost, you know, square pegs, round holes type of thing. And I just think to myself, if he's going to be the man to lead us forward, you should also be a bit more... You know, you know, come down a bit harder because, as I said, because I find it also in a way unfair, you know, how uh, Emery was kept into such a high regard and criticised to the to deal the with it, you know, when yes. he was things wrong. Whereas Arteta's kind of getting, you know, almost like things are like dripping off like a water off a duck's back. He's not really getting mm. some criticism that, and I'm not saying like we, uh, you know, abuse the man or stuff like that. Yes. But just people kind of overlook certain things of him where they are clearly flaws. And I mean, our league form alone shows how much how bad the flaws are. No, I, I agree, and and why I'm picking this up is Una like we are. I wasn't a fan of him from the get go. Not that that I don't didn't think he was a good coach, or he didn't do a good job at Arsenal. But I, I just you know didn't buy into Una Emery for some reason. And if you look at his form, you know small margins, you know. Aubameyang scores that penalty against um, against Tottenham. Arsenal get top four, I think, because we must start on two points or one point behind Spurs. You get top four, Unai Emery against Champions League, maybe gets a better budget, attracts more players. You Because he, he put up a good fight, I mean, that Europa League run as well. You know, we got to the finals. It, it, it was literally, you know, just didn't turn up on the day. Things could have been different. We also, you know, could have played in the Champions League or that. But you look at Arteta, you know, there's no signs at the moment in the, in the league. Our league form has never been consistent under Arteta. Yes, we've got some good results, but from the word go, like, you never saw Arsenal really get going in the league. I mean, we put maybe two or three games together and then we lose one. So there's no consistency there. But that FA Cup, I think, bought him, did definitely buy him some time and some patience. It's just... And also because he has an Arsenal heritage for me. So, he like, you know, you don't want him to get sacked just yet. You know, I usually have that bit of belief. But, you know, at some point down the line, we, I'm going to have to start being more critical and be like, you know, I, I don't think he's the man. But right now, like I said, I'll give him till the end of the season. Mm. But if next season starts off in the same vein of form, I do think we start to need to start looking for something else. Because, I mean... Uh... For me, I think my biggest uh, gripe, in a way, of, of his management has been, it's like, do you have our, for our home form? Uh, uh, look, that, that Man City game, you can't really, you know, throw that into the mixer. But I just think, in general, our home form has been shocking, and I think that is where you should have been, you know, banking up your points already, which could have, you know, probably surged us through the, the like, you know, more, you know, between, say, fifth and seventh, than where we're dangling right now. No, yeah, I agree. You, you look at points, you know, we lost to Leicester at home. You know, you talk about, besides the message, we lost to Leicester at home. We lost to Burnley at home. We lost to Wolves at home. You know, we lost to Aston Villa at home. Yeah. 
Those were like um, all ads up, all ads up when you see how that at, at points that it's, it's, it's twelve points thrown away now, and I'm not saying you're gonna you should win all those games, but I mean you know I'm just trying to look at the the, the log quickly, but we are like you know if we just had a bit more a run of games, I mean we are on thirty four points, you know. The, the likes of West Ham was 40s on 45 points. I mean, that's 11 points. You yeah. just give us six points of that 12 that we're missing. And, you know, we we, we, we suddenly on, 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 on 40 points. So, uh, I really think there's still a lot that needs to be done from our side. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll give out it until the end of the season. And I just hope we can turn this European form around. Because if European form, yes, against the small teams... In the group stage, has been good, but when it comes to these these these, these two legged affairs, it, it just seems I don't think he has the knack for that. Just yet. I'm not saying yeah. he, he can't do it, but it just seems he doesn't know how to manage these two legged ties just yet. Yeah. So with that, I mean, I don't know if you have any other pointers you want to bring. No, 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 that's that's all I have to say. Okay. So I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the football. It's gonna be quite a get an action packed weekend all around. Take care, guys. Stay safe. Bye. Cheers guys, have a good one and hopefully we can pick up that point against Leicester the weekend.